Welcome back to the Red Dice Stories RPG podcast with John and Hannah. Hi. And it's Friend or Foe Friday and we're going to be looking at another monster, working out how it works in D&D, both 5th edition and AD&D 2nd edition, and then talking about some ways in which you can use it in your campaign. Okay, so first of all, we're going to roll the dice and choose a monster. So here we go. Okay, so that's a 19, which is an S. So how A lot many? of S's there. Roll a d20. Roll a d20, okay. That's a 6. Ooh, satyr. We've, we've already we've, done yeah, satyr. Yeah, we've already done satyr. The next one down, however, is scarecrow. Yeah, all right. Let, let's do scarecrow then. Why not? That's a weird one. Hmm, that's what I thought when I saw it there. Right, I'll okay. pass you that one and so, see if it's in the second ed book. So, whilst Hannah's looking in the AD&D second ed monster book to see what she can find, in 5th edition, it describes the Scarecrow as At harvest time, when death revisits the twilight world and summer blossoms bow their withered heads, eerie scarecrows loom in silent vigil over empty fields. With immortal patience, these stoic sentinels hold their post, bound to their master's command, eager to terrified prey with their sackcloth visage and it's described in fifth edition as a medium construct so a sort of golem type creature it's vulnerable to fire not surprisingly it's mostly made of straw it's resistant to bludgeoning piercing and slashing damages so it's quite hard to take down has a decent number of hit points 36 it's immune to pretty much any condition you care to throw at it charmed exhaustion whatever because it's a construct it can't speak although it understands the language of its creator it has a terrifying gaze and if it's motionless it's indistinguishable from a normal scarecrow so Hannah I can see you've managed to find it in the AD&D second ed monster manual and yeah I can see it's on the the golem page although it's listed separately in the fifth edition monster manual so what does it say about it in AD&D pretty much the same to be honest uh non-intelligent follow orders from a priest who created them all right okay and I think in AD&D uh, it tended to be like priestly types who did the sort yeah, of golem it, creation, it, wasn't it? It's literally a priest has made a scarecrow and then brought it to life. So, again, vulnerable to fire, um, fearless on the morale. It makes sense because it's not like an actual creature, it's an, an animated object. Terrifying gaze. Yeah. And then 1d6 damage with their touch and also uh, freezes people so everybody like stops and freezes and freaks out and then there's also conscious scarecrows says most disintegrate when their creators die but a few become conscious gaining evil alignment average intelligence great cunning Uh, they desire self-preservation hide by day and stalk the night committing acts of evil they hate fire and immune to cold so they try to go to colder climates. <laughs> Makes sense. They don't kill everything they encounter. Oh, so they do kill everything they encounter, including those who pose no threat. Sorry about that. <laughs> Hate all life and kill humans and demi-humans whenever possible. Yeah. yeah. Now, I was going to say, I think personally, I mean, it's it's an interesting creature, but the, the thing about these golems and these created sort of entities is they're really only as interesting as the, the sort of role they're put to, what mm-hmm. they're told to protect, or the person who created them. Because if you, if you take away the creator, 
and what it's protecting. The Scarecrow, it's just a man made out of straw that's been animated by some spells. It's no scarier than any other type of golem. It's no worse, no better than any other type of golem. However, obviously we know in a lot of horror films, the Scarecrow, you know, you see it standing in a field. You've got that thing in the horror film where you see a Scarecrow and you're like, oh, it's a normal Scarecrow. Then they look back and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And you use that to ramp up the horror. That statue's going to move. Exactly. So I think a great mistake with this creature, if you're using it in your games, would be just to use it as a monster, just to have it as like a guardian. You go mm-hmm. to enter, like, I don't know, a cornfield or whatever, the scarecrow jumps off its pole, comes and attacks you with its claws. You get a sound thrashing, it disintegrates into a pile of straw. That, or right, you might be able to get like a, a, a milder diverting combat encounter out of it, but. It's not a particularly interesting creature if it's just used as a bag of hit points and thrown mm-hmm. up against the players because it has no really cool special abilities apart from like the terrifying gaze. It's got a couple of claw attacks. It's going to be a bit frustrating for the players because it's immune to all conditions. So you can't sleep it. You can't really use lots of spells on it. So you've literally got no put. Well, you've got no choice but to like just beat the stuffing out of it literally mm-hmm. until it falls to the ground. Whereas. If I think you used it in more of a horror movie vein, you can potentially get more mileage out of it. And also you can use the um, the Scarecrow to say a bit about the area that the players are in. Because obviously you tend to make like a golem. Well, if you're going to make a golem, you've either got to import the materials to make it from somewhere or you use the materials that are at hand. So Particularly with something like a Scarecrow. Well, exactly. I mean, if you're talking like some it, like... Um, it's supposed to be made out of old clothes... Well, that's, I mean, if you were talking about like a, a stone golem or something like that, you can imagine someone getting like marble imported and stuff like that. Because, you know, you're trying to make this like really powerful thing. But if it's a scarecrow, you're not going to import straw and like rubbishy clothing from anywhere else, are you? You're going to use whatever stuff's around you. Mm-hmm. So to me, that suggests there's probably like cornfields or some sort of agrarian sort of farming-based society about. And also, you know, there's got to either, at some point, either now or in the past, there's got to have been a cleric there to have, like, created it. Or if perhaps, like, some sort of evil act, a la the film Pumpkinhead, has created it, or maybe someone summoned a demon into the Scarecrow or whatever, or some horrendous event occurred, perhaps that created it, but then you've got to detail that event out. I was about to say that would be the most interesting part of putting a Scarecrow in specifically working out how it came to be and making that part of the story of the adventure that's it exactly so, I mean, if you i mean what's more interesting if you like go oh there's an evil scarecrow that's killing people out of the old jenkins farm you go and find the scarecrow you beat it up you kill it you go back to the village everyone's like yay and you cut your xp and move on or you find out there's something killing people at the old jenkins farm but no one really likes to go up there on account of it the incident that happened years ago and after speaking to a few people again we've talked about mystery elements before Mm -hmm. after speaking to a few of the locals which gives the social characters a bit of time to get the time in the spotlight and the research characters again as we often say after sort of piecing together the clues which can be very rewarding you know if you do manage to piece it together as players and you're like oh yeah we, we know why this is happening now that can be very rewarding, and it's an in-game reward that isn't just XP or items or something like that. It's a, a less tangible reward. But you put all the pieces together, and you're like, "Oh yeah, there was um, there was this evil farmer, and he was um, he was kidnapping like travelers and killing them." And the locals found out about it, and they stormed up to his like barn, and they they set the barn on fire, and he burnt alive in the barn. And as he was dying, he like cursed the town and said he'd come back and get his revenge. 
and then obviously people and they thought nothing of it they were like yeah whatever and then obviously and then people started to disappear yeah um, you throw in a few extras like maybe he always murdered people with a particular weapon like maybe an old school scythe and perhaps they found like the marks of like a scythe on like the bodies of the people they found like one of them washed downstream in a river or whatever he had a big slash mark of a scythe on him or, or maybe the bodies are found in the cornfield put up like, like scarecrows oh what film is that they do that in there's a film with oh it, there's half a dozen but um yeah so what we're saying here is potentially the sort of background and investigating it can be far more interesting than the actual monster itself but mm-hmm. the danger there is you have all the mystery and everything which is quite tense quite exciting leading up to it but if the end result of that mystery is still you kick off against a scarecrow and you beat it in like five or six combat rounds it's quite anticlimactic, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Now, this is where a story like that, what really makes or breaks it, it's not necessarily the monster so much as the character development. Yeah. Because it's a very, very simple story, but while it's going on, your characters are going to be doing certain things between them. Mm-hmm. And it gives people who are doing like a love story a chance to push that for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Or if you've got like a master apprentice vibe going on with two characters, you can have that go on for a bit. Um, it gives your bard a chance to like write a bit of an epic tale that's going to be reasonably sort of where they can do some sort of performance in character at the end of the story. And then it becomes about like the characters at the end of the story and how they've changed and grown through That's it. A good point, yeah. Rather than it being about this sort of very basic story of ooh, there's something spooky. Ooh, it might be a scarecrow. Oh no, it's a scarecrow fight. I, I tell you what, I'm, I'm just going to throw out like, this great suggestion. I'm just going to throw out an idea now, though, sweetie. I say take the stats from the scarecrow, but mm-hmm. have it so that it can't be killed, or rather, it can be killed, but not permanently. So. You let the players go, oh, we've worked it out, it's a scarecrow, they're going to beat the stuffing out of it, and they're like, yeah, we've triumphed. Then they stay overnight in the village, big celebration, then the next morning someone else is found dead. And when they look mm-hmm. at the cornfield, the scarecrow's there again. So, because what I like in horror films is, obviously you, you never have a horror film where they just find the monster straight away and they kill it, and that's it, it's done. If that, what, what I like in horror films is when monsters have particular rules that they follow, and once you work out what those rules are, those are the rules you used to kill it with. So, I don't know, let's say, just to use our example from earlier, let's say old man Jenkins' spirit that's haunting the scarecrow, the murderous farmer, perhaps he can only be killed by fire because that's how he died originally. So if you just like go up with your swords and whatever and lay a whoop down on him, he comes back again the next night when the full moon rises. You can drop a clue in there that like when they first killed him, it was like the full moon or whatever. And uh, every harvest moon or whatever he like rises. So you have him come back again and the players will be like... And even if he doesn't directly attack the players when he comes back, maybe a couple of like peasants found murdered or whatever, you can then have the players go, like, all right, so we obviously can't just kill him. We've got to find out... like a bit more about what happened and you start peeling the layers back off this mystery and maybe maybe they have a couple more times where they try and experiment and they they try and kill him with different means and maybe it doesn't work but i think that's far more interesting because it's it's a creature that can be killed because you should never just put a completely undefeatable creature out there but having a creature that's undefeatable except for like one or two different ways is perfectly permissible in my mind as long as it's possible, if they're clever, for the players to work out what those ways are. 
And that, I think that's probably how I'd use the Scarecrow in a game. Focus on the horror element, make it a bit more of a puzzle rather than just simply a combat challenge. I mean, you probably still have a combat at the end. Let's say you work out, yeah, he can only be killed by fire. You've still got to get him into a position where you can set him on fire. Mm -hmm. So all the people who love the combat can still have a combat, but it's not as simple as just like getting your broadsword out and laying the smack down on him. So I can see you've been looking at our dictionary There's and mythology there. Is there anything nothing in there, unsurprisingly. Um, I would, however, like to have a quick look up of that weird village that's not too far from here that has the Scarecrow Festival and what the origins of that are. There may, in fact, be something in my book of British yeah. folk customs is it from the well? 30s. That's Yorkshire. Okay, well, I can give you a bit of general information about scarecrow festivals here. Apparently, they're particularly popular in the United Kingdom. Um, scarecrows originally being seen as protectors of crops, obviously, since time immemorial. Usually built from straw and wood. But in medieval Britain, apparently, scarecrows were young boys who were tasked with the responsibility of keeping birds and whatever away from the crops. They carried like bags of stones to throw at them. They'd wave their arms around and shout and stuff like that. Now, according to the information I've got from the web, when the Great Plague of 1348 wiped out half the population in Britain, landowners just couldn't find enough likely lads to, to guard their fields. So doing the best they can, they just made like some scarecrows, stuffed them with straw and set them in the field, hoping that would keep the birds away from their crops, basically. Yeah, and obviously today we have uh, Scarecrow Festivals, which are sort of a fun little thing. They've almost got a bit of a sort of like bonfire night vibe about it. You know, you make the, the guy on bonfire night, mm -hmm. you make a scarecrow. It's a, it's a family activity. You know, kids can get involved. You know, get It doesn't take a lot to manufacture one. Some old newspaper, some old clothes, which most people have access to. A lot of them are organised for charities or, you know, like people like throw sponsorship money in and stuff like that uh, there's various like small towns and villages around the uk where it's popular Cattlewell, barton mills uh, bromyard lots of other ones so i've got this book of british folk customs from the 70s and it has nothing at all in it about scarecrow festivals. Well, actually, that makes a lot of sense because what Some I was because they've not been. Well, I was going to say a more recent revival. Yeah, what I've been reading on the um, the net tells me that it's only in the last like sort of half a dozen years or so that these things have sort of started to take off again. You know, as people have started to get more into like the handicrafts and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and that's so that's had like a resurgence in popularity, and a lot of people are sort of as people have sort of start to look into like pagan rituals from past and stuff like that people have started sort of trying to modernize some of these old traditions and bring them back but in fun sort of inventive ways so yeah i think it probably is a fairly recent invention and a lot of these scarecrows in these festivals they're quite happy looking characters you know they're all jolly some are modeled after like children's book characters and stuff like that so it's obviously not a horrific thing at these uh, festivals. It's just done for good fun and uh, to foster a mm. sense of community spirit. And I think to, to get back to the RPGs, that's one of the great strengths of Scarecrows as a monster because it's almost 
taking that sort of sense of community spirit and something that should be good and wholesome and then sort of inverting it and making it a dark thing mm. so you think of like the idyllic countryside you think of like the, the golden wheat in the fields don't you the sunshine and there's the farmer on his tractor you know the locals in a village talking like happily but as we've seen in a horror film it doesn't take much to make that seem quite sinister. You know, you, you think of like being on your own in like the dark, in the middle of a massive field of wheat where you don't really know what direction you're going in. You see like a figure in the distance, maybe a bit of a lightning flash. Then as you go towards it, you think, oh, there's someone who can give me directions. And you find it's this sort of raggedy, old, tattered-looking, dishevelled, uh, almost corpse-like construction that's got this pole sticking through it. I mean, think of the villain, the Scarecrow in Batman. He takes on that appearance because he's supposed to have like mastered his own fear and he projects fear outwards. There's a reason he, he disguised himself as a Scarecrow. It's mm-hmm. definitely scary. But yeah, I mean, like I say, you, you turn that up on its... You it's turn that, that whole its... Uncanny Valley thing, yeah, isn't of course it? it is. Where it looks sort of human, but it's clearly not human. Yeah. And then if it's moving as well... And like I say, to, to, to continue the whole thing about the, the sort of rural idyll sort of turned on its head, you, you think of like, oh, the, the, the jolly farmer now he's a, he, and the villagers, they're, they're now sort of suspicious people who don't like sort of people from foreign parts coming into the village that are like strangers, and they're all sullen. Think of that bit in the, um, the slaughter lamb in american werewolf in london where he like everyone's like chatting away food exactly yeah what about that bit where he's um, he's chatting away and he suddenly points that pentagram on the wall and he's like oh what's that over there and everyone immediately goes quiet Mm. and like looks at him like he's just grown an extra head Mm -hmm. and if you're part of the idea of this sort of taking a familiar sort of idealized setting and then slanting it so it somehow seems strange and eerie is it seems more scary because we're so familiar with the source material. We all know, I mean, certainly those of us in Britain, we all know what a little village looks like. And I mean, to take it to like the American sort of version, think of like um, small town America. How many horror films have there been about sort of like backwoods, like little places in America mm. where they seem all right on the surface and then there's like cannibals and killers and God knows what else going on mm. behind the scenes. And part of the fear of that is it presents us with a familiar setting, but then there's something dark lurking under the surface and i think that's the, the real strength of using a scarecrow in a game it sort of exemplifies that on the surface it's just a a nondescript effigy that's been put there for the, the fairly banal reason of keeping birds away from your seed so you can grow your crops but via whatever means divine infernal uh, spells some sort of incident whatever has occurred this creature has now gone from being like an impassive defender of the fields to a mobile predator of the people who benefit from the fields and i think that's what makes it really scary Mm. so we hope you've got something out of this episode if you would like to leave us a message perhaps you've got some suggestions for scarecrows in your own games then you can get in touch with us by leaving us a message at speakpipe or you can send us an email to rddrpgpodcast at gmail.com until we see you next time take care stay safe and keep gaming bye